just looking at what a little bit of effort and a little bit of more, as you said earlier, consciousness brings to this to the situation, how quickly nature fixes itself. And I think if we can find ways to coexist and, and, and maybe be, um, you know, less influential in that space and, and, and allowing it to just, you know, mm. self-generate, I think we'll very quickly get back to a place of, of greater hope. I think for entrepreneurs specifically, realize the opportunities um, and tap into it. Um, and then for all of us, have those conversations on the stories of waste, mm. just to, to be more conscious of, of what we're actually wasting and what's happening in our market in order to actually see the opportunities. And because this is what's happening, um, you know, you've seen people burn mm. cables around children. They're busy killing themselves. They're busy killing the community who's sitting around there, uh, inhaling these toxic fumes. Mm. So in our model, once we get hold of that cable uh, into the system, uh, we will pay for for that. So the, the you're not only going to get the value of the copper, you're also going to get something for the covering. Uh, um, and, and because we will be paying by kilo, um, so we that's one way in which we're trying to encourage people uh, not to engage in poor recycling practices. Welcome again. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues, Episode 7. It's another Thursday evening, and we are doing what we've been doing every Thursday for the past seven weeks, looking at a particular topic that is of great public concern. You may not know it, but uh, once we start talking about it, you'll understand that these are some of the most critical dialogues that we could be having at this time in our society. Um... I'm your host, Ryan Fortune, as I said, and uh, we are this evening going to be talking about the issue of waste, 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 waste and its management, waste and what to do about it. We're going to be shining a spotlight on this very topical issue. Uh, we live in uh, dire times sometimes when we look at the state of uh, the environment. Uh, we've got climate change, we've got so many issues. But something that uh, we can actually do something about is uh, the waste we produce. And uh, in the studio this evening with me, I have three people who, uh, well, two people who are very engaged in the space. Uh, you're going to be hearing from them. And uh, they are right here with me. Um, yes, on my left is Ashley Deploy. Uh, uh, the cameras on him, Ashley Deploy, uh, who is the CEO of the E-Waste Recycling Authority. Uh, Ashley has been on a long journey to uh, f assist in the formation of this body, which uh, is going to be dealing and uh, in the space of uh, electronic waste, which is a huge, huge problem. He's going to be telling us a bit more about how big the problem actually is and why the necessity for uh, a body like the uh, e-waste recycling authority. Uh, Ashley, hi there again. <laughs> <laughs> hi, thanks. Um, uh, and then on uh, in the middle in front of me is Emil Faree, who is a committee member on the Organic uh, Recycling, Organics Recycling Association of uh, South Africa, or RASA. Um, he's going to be telling us a bit about uh, the big problem of organic waste. Um, we uh, we throw our organic waste uh, into landfills uh, mostly at this point. 
Um, well, most of it ends up there. The huge percentage, percentages of it, we don't even think about it, but uh, this very valuable commodity that we just uh, leave to uh, rot in uh, the, the landfills and producing all kinds of toxins for the environment when it could actually be turned into something far more valuable. And on my right is uh, Nina Lowe. She's a uh, lecturer, an adjunct lecturer at uh, Cornerstone, Cornerstone Institute, which is uh, behind uh, this uh, initiative, uh, the partner with, uh, with Bush, Radio, Bush Radio. And um, she's also going to be assisting me in the asking of some of the questions. Uh, good evening, Nina. Hi there. Hi there. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, so to start off with, um, I think we sort of want to lay the groundwork for what we are talking about today. So listeners, if you if you are not aware, um, and I think most people are not aware of, of how big the problem actually is, uh, because uh, waste is something that we uh, we put the, put it into the bin, we put it out on the on the on 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 the on the pavement. Someone comes and takes it away. We don't have to think about it too much. Uh, but uh, tonight we are going to think about it. We're going to apply our minds. We're going to hear some facts and figures. Uh, we're going to see what what's being done about this problem uh, that we all actually have to be concerned about. And also we're going to be hearing about the economic opportunities that uh, exist within this space um, that uh, could actually uh, help with our, um, our problems of unemployment, particularly among youth and, and women and disabled, the, the disabled, huge opportunities in the space for new businesses. Um, and so, yeah. That's that's it, and I hope you 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 listen and take take heed and take notes and actually uh, become part of this conversation, which we should all be having more often. Uh, Ashley, I think uh, let's start with you. Um, t- tell us a bit about uh, this journey that you've been on uh, with the e-waste, uh, the e- setting up this body. Okay. Um, well, <clears throat> excuse me. The journey started in. I would say formally in uh, October 2014 when the Department of Environmental Affairs called producers of electronics and recyclers of electronic waste to a meeting to say that uh, government intended to implement extended producer responsibility. Uh, What that means is that the producers of electronics and electrical equipment must take responsibility for how that uh, that equipment is treated at its end of life. Um, so the uh, the challenge was put to the sector, and uh, out of that consultative conference, about 120 delegates, a committee was established to uh, work through what a national industry waste management plan would look like for the sector. And uh, for my sins, uh, I got put in the chair, and uh, I've had to, we've had participation from both recyclers and uh, producers of electronics. Um, and in a way, they have a similar interest, but also a, a divergent interest in that the one party, the producers, are expected to pay for the extraction and recycling and compliant management of the waste. And on the other hand, the recyclers are expecting to get as much as they can uh, for managing that recycling. So it's been quite a ride, um, and I think we're quite proud in ERA that we've been able to keep those parties in the room for seven years. Um, it was difficult at times, 
And um, <clears throat> the Section 28 framework, which the uh, Department of Environmental Affairs initially presented as the framework within which this plan must be produced, essentially said that government would collect a levy on all electronics, uh, and that levy would then be applied to the recycling of end-of-life uh, electronic uh, and electrical equipment. Um, but that has changed since. Uh, so in that model, the funds would have gone into Treasury and uh, with no guarantees of any funds being ring-fenced uh, or committed to, to uh, this particular uh, task. Um, and we have been working with the Department of Environmental Affairs for the better part of 2021 um, and uh, 2020 to help shape a, uh, a what they call a Section 18 framework where the producers take responsibility for the management of the electronic waste. And that's how Yera came into being as a producer responsibility organization for electronics producers. And um, our, our role really is to be a committed institution to manage the relationship between the producers and the recyclers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks, Ashley. Uh, Emil, you are on the other side of, well, it's the same, the same industry except you're dealing with organics. Uh, can you tell us a bit about Orasa and, and where it began and why? So, um, yeah, interestingly, slightly different to how um, the new extended producer responsibility organizations have been formed. Um, Orasa was driven through industry um, and, and through industries of waste beneficiators. And what we looked at as industry was that um, there was limitations to, to, to growth and development within the sector. Um, and we were sort of forced and, 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 and restricted in how we could expand and how we could operate. And the critical issue we were facing as industry um, was that the lack of an enabling environment. Um, and that was our primary objective. Um, we looked at um, discussions around banning organic waste and, and favorable legislation. Um, it was moving very slowly. Um, and we knew that we had to actually mobilize industry to try and, try and push this forward a lot more aggressively. Um, so finally, I don't think organics has a seat at the extended producer responsibility. And it's just something that's come to me now where I was sitting, I was like, wow, we are actually the only industry that, that is slightly separate to all other types of waste. Um, and there are a lot of uniqueness, um, you know, characteristics to this industry. You know, we charge a gate fee, we charge processing fees, all the um, necessary fees that you would need to operate and to, to, to be able to actually provide the service, um, we've remained um, something that is charged for, which is you know very interesting, um, which I'd actually like to continue chatting about. And and that's where we started. So we um, formalized in 20, we started meeting in 2015, 2016. Uh, we launched 2017. Um, and we've got a national footprint now where we really affecting legislation, we are creating an enabling environment, um, we're affecting draft norms and standards, um, and we really are pushing so that this industry can grow and develop into um, the potential that it, that it has. Uh, Nina, uh, you are at Cornerstone uh, with an interest, you're a business lecturer, yeah. and uh, do you 
your interest is in sustainability. What, where, what's the, what are the roots of that interest? So I think sustainability, um, always at the moment, I feel it's a bit of a buzzword. So um, maybe to go into why that, I think in terms of business um, and actually the creation of something, the creation of value or of a product, um, we need to think through the system. So we need to think circularly through the system. And when I say that... Um, we need to think about when we when we design something that we need to think about the second life or the third life. So trying to reduce waste um, whilst knowing at the moment we do have waste. So what can we do with waste in order to create new value and to give new life to waste? So these and actually when I listen to your the different stories, it's also it immediately what um, jumps to mind is this thing that when we think about waste at the moment, we've got the producer side of it. So within production, there's waste, but also the story that a producer and a manufacturer tells of its of the life cycle of that product goes through to after the consumer uses it. Whereas then there's also the story of waste for a consumer. So a lot of our listeners might be people consumers of goods and there's a certain amount of waste with that. But a lot of the listeners might also be producers of good goods and there's also waste with that. Um, and opportunities, I think, both or in both um, of those cycles. Um, and I think important to actually keep in mind that when we think about waste, there's these two, or there's actually more stories, but there's, and there's stories, I think maybe that's an important thing, there's stories to waste, and there's stories to the creation of goods, and therefore also waste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ashley, you, you, early on you, um, you mentioned, uh, b- before we started the show, you mentioned some figure to me uh, around the, 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 the amount of electronic waste that we're dealing with uh, i mean there, we always have this i've heard this phrase uh, uh, bandied about you you can't manage what you what you can't measure do we have any sort of exact figure around how much electronic waste we're producing uh, it, it's it's almost impossible uh, certainly at this stage because we haven't had systems and processes for uh, measuring the waste so the estimates range from up to half a million uh, tons of uh, electronic waste. That's what actually comes out uh, as waste uh, per annum. Uh, it could be anywhere from... So you just repeat that figure again? Just yeah. Um, well, the, yeah. we've worked on the assumption uh, that there is 360,000 tons of electronic waste mm. that comes out, that is really at, at its end of life, comes out as waste. Mm. Um, and, and that figure could be as high as half a million. Uh, the basket of electronics uh, is astounding. It's it's the 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 it's growing at four times the rate of solid municipal waste globally. Um, so that is the escalation in in that waste stream. Um, and uh, there was recently a a Nat Geo program that uh, predicted that by the year 2040, we will have uh, 250 billion connected devices. So those those are really just a particular type of, of electronics. So you can imagine the scale of that. That's for if there are 10 billion people on, on the earth at that time, that's about 25 pieces of electronic equipment per person uh, that's connected. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there, there's, there's a phenomenal number of streams uh, or subsectors um, 
we've largely been focusing on domestic appliances, large domestic appliances, and uh, is ICT the, goods. Yeah, these are your radios, your fridges, your TVs, your alarm, alarm yeah. clocks, anything that mm. works on an on electric current or battery. Uh, is uh, uh, considered electrical and electronic equipment. Mm. So you have, uh, I, I heard that uh, in the small domestic appliances or the small appliances sector, there are over 200 million items and that's types of electronics. Is, is this ju- just in South Africa or? Th- this is um, globally. Um, globally, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, and a, and a large amount of that is replicated in South Africa. Then you have your medical devices, subsectors, your automotive industries, your heavy industrial goods, um, um, your solar sector, your lighting, uh, and it goes on. So all all of these waste streams are covered by the current, uh, the new. Uh, extended producer responsibility regulations. Those figures are absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely insane. These, this is all the junk that people buy <laughs> when it comes to Black Friday, yeah. uh, Cyber Monday, uh, Christmas, New Year, whatever. Yeah. Every month, every month, people are just buying things in order to fill some hole in them in themselves yeah. and, and and polluting the environment. Uh, I mean, I I remember reading uh, the limits to growth report from. Um, from the Club of Rome that was published in the 1970s. I mean, that that, that was a seminal report that, that basically predicted that we would get here at, at some point. That, 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 that at some point, we're going to be overwhelmed by the products of, of our society and, and just living in, in some kind of global landfill. Is, is that what you, we're heading for? Is that- yes, I would say the landfill at the moment, uh, in terms of our soul goods, is in in everyone's house. Um, I'm sure you can think of a number of cell phones, old cameras, mm. uh, cables. We, we all have it. <laughs> yes. uh, and that's just on a, on a household level. Yeah, and every and, couple of years we, we need to move out and then we need to get new things. Yeah. And nobody knows what to do with it really yeah. uh, at this stage, but uh, we, we are being addressing that going yeah. forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, this this kind of brings me back to I think something that I also read uh, a book that I read years ago called uh, "The Waste Makers" by Vance Packard, which which really had an impact on on me. Uh, besides his other book, which is about the advertising industry, the the hidden persuaders. But the the waste makers really talks about this issue of planned obsolescence. Um, I remember being a kid, and my my grandmother had this washing machine from the nineteen sixties, you know, and I, this was the nineteen eighties. Like twenty years later, she had this old, you know, funny old washing machine that still worked um, cars back then still worked for years you know decades I mean you still find those cars that were made in the 60s today and and so what, what happened there why are things why do things break down so easily and, 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 and we, we get rid of them um, well I, I think the, the products are coming from all over the world and different countries and different manufacturers apply different standards. So I think uh, I wouldn't want to isolate particular regions, but uh, there are some places where it's just easier to make uh, mm. cheap electronics and flood the market. Mm. Uh, but the, 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 the law now is designed in such a way as to uh, encourage you to use more recycled content. 
to increase the lifespan of a product, to reduce the toxicity of the elements in, in electronics, mm. uh, to reduce the size, etc. So it, it asks from us to, uh, what they say, modulate the cost uh, depending on the complexity of the materials uh, that are used in electronics and uh, the toxicity of those materials and the size of those materials. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to come back to to to, to that uh, a bit later, uh, Ashley. Uh, Emil, the Western is it the, the National Department of uh, Environmental Affairs has put in place new mandates, new targets uh, for organic waste. Can you tell us a bit about that? So, so very interestingly, um, the National Department has put a ban on liquid waste going to landfill, and in the description of that, forty percent of any um, any item with a moisture content of above forty percent, which is actually a lot of our food waste and our organic waste, um, is, is is nationally gazetted to be banned from landfill. Um, the Western Cape government, however, has gone one step further, where they've now looked at um, a number of influencing factors to 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 justify the need to to divert organic waste from landfill um, and they've gone one step further and imposed a ban on organic waste. Um, so they've set targets of 50% by 2022 which is you know next year um, and 100% by 2027. Very ambitious but they are looking at targeting commercial waste. So here that 50% they aim to reach it by targeting 100% of the commercial waste. It is the lowest hanging fruit. It is the majority of the food of organic waste that we are seeing to landfill. Um, you know, if you look at consumers, it's only about 4% of, of the total waste going to landfill at the moment. So it's a very low portion. Um, mm. And the predominant um, portions of waste that we're landfilling at the moment is, is definitely pre-consumer. Um, so within the production lines. Um, so you're looking at 30 to 40% of that food being produced or brought in or, or transported, not even reaching um, the, the shelf. The, or the, consumer. the consumer. I mean, this is a, this is a short Shockingly wasteful uh, exercise that we are engaged in, especially when you consider that there are so many hungry people uh, in in our city, in our country, and we are. I mean, I, I've read certain figures around the amount of just food waste that actually gets gets lost before. We, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Um, I mean, is there there are there are organisations that actually work to divert that and actually get it to people who need it, right? Hundred percent. So the. The interesting thing in the value chain is that um, with more and more pressure being put on this broken food cycle and broken biocycle, um, we are slowly learning that, you know, listen, what the behavior of, 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 of 20, 30 years ago is completely unacceptable. You know, this, this linear economy, this full waste strategy um, is, you know, just, just not a way for us to be sustained in, in nature. Um, and I think that that's what this um, sector is trying to address. Um, I think something like 10 million tons of organic waste gets landfilled every year. Um, mm. We've got people that are hungry. We've got people that we've got soil that is being depleted. We've got mm. um, massive, massive issues in uneven wealth distribution. Um, and the sector within the green economy can definitely play a massive role at alleviating all of our social economic issues. Mm. Um, it's the reason I got into business and to believe the reason I believe in this industry in itself um, and looking at something as archaic as landfills and going, do you know what? 
this is not the way nature intended us to behave and to live on this planet and to coexist. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at forests, it's, it's, it's as simple as understanding that a forest loses its leaves in autumn, it grows its, and makes its own compost, and that forest sustains itself. Mm. Um, and I think the more that we can look at these resources, the more we can add value to this, to, to the, to all the elements and predominantly I think what we're talking about now is the primary um, cycle within this um, circular economic um, yeah, sort of landscape and looking at getting this nutrients back to the soil. I think that is our primary function that we need to start addressing. Um, there's obviously all the environmental you know, benefits of this um, but yeah, I think that you know, our food security is our primary responsibility mm. in a developing economy as ourselves. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Emil. Listeners, there you have it. Uh, we're talking about waste in all its uh, aspects. Uh, uh, looking at electronic waste, e-waste, the, the huge mountains of goods that we consume, that we buy and then discard at the, a couple of years later. Um, and also the, the food waste that we produce and, and the broken food system this evening on the cornerstone of critical dialogues. And so these issues have been with us for a very long time. Um, we are not dealing with them in a, in a, in a very good way, but there are, there are attempts. There are, there are people on the case and I have two of them in the studio with me tonight. Um, Emil Faree and Ashley Deploy, uh, who are dealing with the, the issues of electronic waste as well as organic waste um, and figuring out what needs to be done, what should be done, what we could be doing to really improve the way we deal with uh, uh, all the products of our hyper, hyper-consumerist society. Uh, Nina, uh, Nina Lowe, lecturer at uh, Cornerstone Institute, you, you had some questions. Yeah, I think um, first of I think first off, um, when Emil mentioned 10 million tons of organic waste, and I mean, I, I can't even fathom what that should look like. So I try to see, okay, what, what weighs a ton? And because of that, what, how many of that can I see? So say a giraffe, I think, weigh, can weigh about a ton. That's 10 million giraffes. And you can't even fathom what that should look like. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, and when, when you then think about that, and then you mentioned that I think consumer waste is 4% of that. Um, which is a scary idea. So, so we've got commercial organic waste being then the rest of it. So at the moment, um, where we have in the e-waste, we've got the extended producer responsibility or that, the concept of that. Who's taking responsibility, um, to change this, to, to take away? So if we've got this demand of taking away the organic waste from landfills, who's responsibility at the moment? Who's, who, who takes that responsibility? So at the moment, we, the responsibility is shared. So we in a climate where government is starting to put in legislation to assist in the diversion and beneficiation of this uh, waste stream. Um, at Orasa, what we're looking at is, is trying to create an enabling environment for our members. Um, so if you are in the, the organic waste processing space, um, we wanting to our members to be able to acquire as much organic waste as possible so that they can assist in these targets, divert and, and, and obviously grow the sector. Um, where it is um, sort of duplicated, where these um, extended producer responsibilities are influencing waste generators, um, is that there's, for example, the Consumer Goods Council, where all of the re- big retailers are pushing and, and driving towards that. Um, you know, government is 
to a degree putting quite a bit of pressure on the retail sector, the agro-processing sector, um, and, and like I said earlier, trying to target the low-hanging fruit. Where it's going to shift, and, and, and I think this is... Um, where I think with the growth and development of the space and, and increased competition um, and pricing becomes more competitive, I think there is going to be a point where producers are going to have to start looking very hard at how um, they are processing and, 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 and treating the organic waste. Um, so I think in a landfill, I think our landfill rates in the Western Cape are growing up substantially. So anywhere between 7 and 16% a year, our landfill fees are going up. Um, the rest of the country is not looking that good. Um, and I think that we're hoping that in the organic space that um, this active competitive supply and demand market um, with pricing you know being charged for and gate fees being charged for will allow this industry to actually stand on its own two feet mm. uh, where we don't need you know where where consumers look at waste and, and waste generators look at waste and they're already paying for it you know but now they're paying the right people to process um, and I think that's that's what we're hoping the shift will change. And it's important to actually know that, that or note that, that producers at the moment or ge- waste generators are paying for it. So we're paying for something that's not being used. Um, we're paying for waste to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so we might just as well do something with it. Um, so in terms of, so immediately I'm thinking business opportunities. So say a person... Um, Realizes there's a lot of bread, which is most probably organic mm-hmm. waste, yeah. yeah. Um, and to use stale bread for the generation of energy. Okay. So, is that an actual business opportunity? Should that person rather partner with a waste generator, so someone baking the bread, or, or how do you see that? Opportunity, yeah, becoming some a reality. So the easiest way, and 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 how waste works is the. The, it's not difficult to acquire waste, right? What is difficult is to have the capaci- capacity to process, to handle, and to manage waste, and to have a secure and a, a, a um, lucrative offtake market. Um, so the the supply chain that you're looking at um, is relatively easy to get into. Um, you know a baker or someone that's got access to some type of raw material, if it's, especially if it's organic, um, you would be able to obviously either now charge a service for it or, or get access to the waste. As long as you're uh, licensed or in, in legally able to acquire that. Um, I think what the, the critical... Um, element to this value chain is having a offtake market for your supply. And I think the best example um, to highlight the fragility of this economic value chain, of, of this economic cycle, is looking at dry recycling. And what happened in this sector, and you spoke about waste and, and dispose and why are we consuming and then being driven into that. What happened with the sector from an economics perspective is that people were starting to pay a rebate for something of no value, of something of a negative value. Um, for you to take goods, handle it, process it, make sure you've got security, transport it, pay staff at you know fair wage rates and, and fair salary rates that value chain just does not exist 
And that's one reason we've kept it this way separate. Until you can get to a point where you have, supply, where you have sufficient um, input materials and you're producing a product of greater value, that's when circular economics kicks in. And that's when you can then shift it and then start adding more value to something that already has value and share that cost between all stakeholders. Mm. Emil, you, you've, you actually, besides being a committee member of Orasa, you, you actually have a, a business, a, a, a company that, that deals with organic waste. Can you tell us a bit about that, your company, sure. Why Waste? So, founded uh, 20, 2010, formalized, founded uh, 2008, um, getting into just making worm farms at home um, and selling them at a market. So, it was very, just looked at a problem, looked at an archaic system and felt that here's an opportunity opportunity to take something that we've looked at for granted um, and to create something of great value. The big driver for me was that in 2008, 2009, 10% of commercial agriculture was done organically. Um, and for me, that was an economy of scale, something I could tap into. Um, and I said, well, if, that, if, if, if global demand for organic food increases to 50% even, uh, where are they going to get their organic produce from? And why are we throwing all of the organic waste that we need into a landfill? And that was my aha moment. I look back now realizing, okay, cool, I identified a broken biocycle without knowing, stumbled into it. Um, but it made me look at something that we look at as in waste and, and it's got all of its problems and we drive past it every day and, and people are burning things every day. And I said, if I can turn something into something beautiful from a wasted resource. Um, if I can show South Africans that there's an opportunity for you to make something from something that we all have such little regard for um, and, 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 and grow it and, and develop it, that, that people can have optimism and hope in a world of, full of despair. Mm. How's, um, how's your company doing now? Pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, we're employing 23 people. We've got international interns. We've got two sites. We're diverting between 10 and 20 tons a day between our two sites. Um, We're pretty well established within the market, and we're looking to grow and expand in this this economy. Yeah. Um, A couple of years ago, I did a little experiment uh, with, um, what was it, Uh, a black soldier fly. Uh, I, I was reading about it and I, 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 I found this, well, it's, it's the problem that you, you're probably dealing with, which is the waste from restaurants, right? And so I collected from a bunch of restaurants in OBS uh, for a couple of weeks and I bought these buckets and it was like a whole thing. I had a site somewhere in Woodstock. But um, as you say, I quickly came up against this sort of wall where it was like I had all this waste. I had the, the, the soldier flies, and but I, it was just became a mess. <laughs> it's just, just terrible. But it was, yeah. It was, but I mean, it was a good exercise for yeah. me. You know, I, I really got into these uh, these these protein things. So you you know the the the, the, the larva of the fly you can actually turn into food, and they're making ice cream from it, and milk, and all this kind of thing, animal feed, and and, and, there, and there's a big company out in. I think that's that's busy with this uh, agri protein. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you been to that site? So, been to the site. Have had conversations. I think they have been bought out by someone else. Long mm. story. Um, so, yeah, there is a lot of different other options. You know, I've looked at composting and kept it simple, and and, and looked at you know how do we. Um, 
you know, just look after our food and, and return this to the soil. But you could do biogas, you could anaer- do anaerobic digestion. Um, and we've got, um, we've got people from the Black Soldier Fly, um, community. Um, so there's also, a wide variety of ways to beneficiate this material. Um, and I think a combination of all of it will make this industry more resilient. So, you know, at Aras, we've got stakeholders from each of these, these sectors. We are speaking to, um, you know, formalized organizations and bodies to come and join with us. Cause one thing that we are, um, you know, specializing in is, is this legislation and having a body of diversity. Um, and I think through that, we, we have the listening of the Western Cape government and we're now trying to influence national and regional governments around South Africa, um, so that we can have one voice. You know, it's, it's pointless having, you know, one person shooting a agenda at, you know, a national department. You know, there is limited resources. We've got limited money in circulation. So I think, you know, the more that people can, um, align with, you know, what they believe in and, and what they stand in and can see, you know, a, a benefit, you know, out of what we're trying to bring to the market. Um, I think the more and the faster this can grow. Um, and it's not always waiting on, um, you know, a specific government to do something. I think, you know, speaking to the listeners and everyone here, you know, it's, it's up to us to make our own difference, you know, and we've got sphere of influence, whether it's ourselves, our immediate family, our extended family, friends, and all of those things, or, or wherever we have a touch point in this world. And I think, you know, the more we realize it's, it's, we need more people to stand up for what is right, for what they believe in, um, and, and bring this to the world. I think then we can live in a better South Africa that we all actually see, um, and not where we currently feel we live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in, mm-hmm. in the space. Yeah. yeah. Speaking about about opportunity, um, uh, Ashley, you part of I think uh, Era's uh, mandate or the, the work that you're doing is to unlock the economic opportunity with uh, electronic waste. Um, I mean, I had I, I when when I read your, your your strategy document, I had this picture of uh, people going into computers and taking out the gold and the platinum and you know melting it and smelting it and becoming rich. Is that is that what we're looking at? Um, that <clears throat> that's part of it, and unfortunately, that seems to be the part driving everybody. Uh, but uh, as you will appreciate. Uh, it's a limited resource. So there's um, gold and other rare minerals in electronics. Mm. Um, but that seems to be the focus for everybody, whereas uh, you have tons, stupendous amounts of flame-retardant plastic. Um, uh, so once one achieves scale and you have research capacity uh, to transform those plastics into uh, bricks or, or roof tiles or things of that nature, um, it's one thing to, to do the manufacturing. You're also going to require testing to see whether these materials leach, uh, meaning that when they get water, do some of those toxins flow out and what's the impact of, of that? So um, pretty much on scale, almost everything has value. Um, uh, but uh, and, and I think this is one of the challenges we have is, is there enough waste in our markets 
uh, in the South Africa market to justify certain processing uh, investments. Uh, so unless, for example, uh, CRT screens, which are these old um, computer screens and TV screens, uh, they have quite a lot of uh, toxic materials in those screens. Uh, so... You know, the time has come for them to come out as electronic waste. People aren't buying them any longer. But unless you can secure sufficient quantities of of that waste, uh, you may not, you probably won't be justified to make any investments in the processing of that waste. So that waste will will be bundled uh, and sent overseas, uh, for example. So that's one of the challenges. Uh, the Basel Convention restricts the movement of electronic waste. So um, there is the idea in South Africa among some people that uh, none of our waste must leave, but at the same time we don't have the processing capacity here. So we may have to consider uh, if... Um, that we could take waste from other parts of the continent to justify the the, mm. the capital investment mm. in mm. technologies. Mm. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you a question around you said producer responsibility for for waste, but uh, how do you get how do you get if people are buying products that are manufactured offshore yeah. in other countries, it gets imported, comes in on the in the container ships. Uh, how do you hold the, the producer responsible for for that uh, that, that uh, appliance or the, the, what happens to that? Well, from, from our point of view, uh, it is uh, and we've in era we've developed a hit list and we continue with that <laughs> with that uh, we continue with that hit list because this is a big problem when when only some producers are paying and others are ducking. Uh, it is a matter of. I wouldn't even say years, months mm. before people walk away and say, well, we're not interested unless mm. everybody's paying and mm. the, the playing field is completely level, uh, why should we be paying? So we will certainly, and we have that hit list of looking at companies that are bringing product into the market. Mm. So at some stage, as soon as we have the capacity, we're going to take a couple of dozen students and they will walk from Simonstown to Cape Town along the CBD and they will walk in every other CBD and mm. they'll make a record of the shops, they will make a record of all the brands mm. uh, we will then assess whether those people are contributing towards uh, electronic waste management, if they're not we will hand the names over to Department of Environmental Affairs mm. and if they don't act um, as I said it's a matter of time before we say well you certainly can't be serious, we're mm. all going home now um, so it's in all our interest that we track them. Well, I just told you a bit mm. of my plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, yes, yes. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm 100% behind that. Because, yeah, I mean, really, we, we, we cannot go on like this. It's, there's just too much. I mean, I, I've seen some initiatives uh, around the world uh, yeah, a few, few years ago. There was this thing called No, no Buy Day. Uh, which is a, just a fantastic uh, event that that encouraged people to to not buy. So the the exact opposite of Black Friday or Cyber Monday and all this nonsense that we've adopted in South Africa, where everyone just goes crazy at the malls. 
You know, I mean, people beating each other up for some TV or something. I mean, we've <laughs> lost our minds. Just to waste it or to throw it away you later. throw it away yeah. a couple of years later. You know, replace the, you know, yeah. the, the TV yeah. they got last year at Black Friday, you know, because they got getting some good deal. Um, so yes, listeners, uh, th- these are, these are the challenges that we face. And, and I think we, uh, as Ashley said, I think it's really time to, for, for, for somebody to, to have a big stick actually. And, and, and really, uh, you know, people do, do not want to listen. People are not are not compliant with with, the, with these regulations, uh, and so um, yeah. I mean, the, w- I, I was very surprised, uh, Emil, when I saw those uh, targets. Because, you know the fifty percent uh, reduction, and then the, the total ban by twenty twenty seven of organics uh, in landfill. Because I thought that's absolutely unachievable. <laughs> I mean, when you go to the the Musenberg landfill site, yeah. which I think everyone should do. If if you got if you're a teacher out there, please take your kids to to go and see that monstrosity mm. that, that that exists over there. Yeah. Uh, why 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 the the, the high targets? I think, so it was actually very funny. It was a, a meeting where this was sort of, just numbers were thrown around. Um, geez, I can't even think how long back it was. And um, I just looked at it as an opportunity at the time. Mm. And I said, even if we get to 10% of these targets, we're in a better place than what we started with. Mm. Mm. And I think the fact that we got, you know, the local government to put pen to paper, put it on the letterhead, get it out there, has made a massive difference and forced people to shift. Um, and I think that that is all, you know, it, it, it's difficult to police. We, we're not a, really a policing state. Um, and um, there is a lot of loopholes and a lot of opportunities to duck and dive and, and, and do what you, you can to get ahead. Um, but I think what we are seeing is that, you know, um, it, it is working. You know, the, the, the shift in behavior is definitely is happening um, and, and companies are acting within the waste space and producers are acting within the waste space. And I think it's, it's time that, that, that um, you know, these strategies are, are seen out. When and, and how this ban will be implemented and it leaves a lot of questions and we've spoken with a lot of local municipalities and, and looked at integrated waste management plans. Um, so actually we're quite fortunate City of Cape Town has recently just come out with theirs um, and looked at a, an adoptive strategy um, and, it, and it's promising, you know, for, for entrepreneurs and, and business owners in, in our sector to be looking at this at, it is one of the most favorable, fastest growing um, economic sectors in our economy. Um, and people are taking notice, you know, international funders and, and, and people within food security and, 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 and waste management. There's a lot of international companies coming in here. So I think it is working. Um, and I think that this enabling environment can be replicated for the rest of South Africa. So I don't think that this opportunity is limited to the Western Cape. I think that national government is, is under pressure to, to look at this and to address it um, and are starting to get the ball in motion. Um, and when you're sitting with, the, you know, the, the crisis that we are in, you know, seven, less than 7% of our population pays tax, you know, we've got a workforce that is desperate for in, employment. Um, we can't go on just giving out handouts and, and, and grants and it's not sustainable and the people that you are um, bringing into society and a dependence nature is is not what's going to grow um, you know our country and, and, and let our country stand on its own two feet mm. so um, 
You know, yeah. I think that these targets are, are necessary, and mm. and I think they must be bold. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, for to my mind, it might not even be bold enough because we've got this potential of value to be created, of raw um, resource or resources that can be input for something new. We've got a lot of people that need jobs, um, so the opportunity is there, and, and I think it's amazing that it is potentially bold but could be bolder um, because there's so much to work with and yes it's it's not simple although you also mentioned that looking at the value chain there's actually some quick wins and things that you can actually do to to work with this um, so it is yeah it's such a valuable source um, for creating businesses so um, I think definitely when I hear these numbers I think oh Opportunity, job creation, um, and and that is actually really exciting. So I think when people hear this, they need to realise that waste has got so much potential, and we need to start tapping into just that next step of our own waste as a consumer to and to change ourselves from consumers to producers um, to take that net, next step of why am I throwing this away. And then when I go eat somewhere, when I buy groceries, um, what is this store doing with the things I'm not buying? Um, and just ask those questions because then we see the, the next opportunity. Mm. I just want to say, so um, the thing about, um, uh, there was a video on your, on your website which spoke about uh, the fact that uh, organic waste can, can really help with the issue of climate change and re- reducing emissions. I just want to, for the benefit of the listeners, maybe if you could just take, 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 take people through what happens to organic waste and what, what does it do in, in a landfill? What is the negative impact when, when, it, when we don't do anything clever with it? So what happens with, with organic waste is it, it intends it rots. So it starts fermenting within, this, this, um, within a landfill. Um, and what it then releases is actually methane gas as opposed to carbon. Um, so, um, that's probably the methane gas is probably around 15 times more harmful for the ozone layer and for the environment than what carbon is. Mm. Um, and it is a massive, massive contributor to climate change and, and, and to, you know, the problems that we are facing. Uh, what we're able to do by diverting is that, um, you obviously allowed to process and to, to extract either methane gas if you're doing, um, you know, biogas or anaerobic digestion, um, or if you are compost and you're aerating, you don't obviously let that um, methane gas profile build up. Um, and that is the, the biggest difference. Um, in turn, by returning that, that organic fraction through to the soil, be it digested in a liquid or solid fraction, uh, be it uh, digested from uh, fly larvae or from compost residues itself, um, you know, you're then adding that carbon back to the soil, which has always been lost, you know. So you're doubling up in, in, in the diversion efforts by improving, obviously, the, the harmful effects of that that gases within the environment. And um, I, I, I also wanted to ask you the question of when we think about what could be done and we, you spoke about uh, investment, are, are we sometimes not thinking too high-tech um, in, in a certain way? Because I know that in places like India, you know, where they have... The, 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 every little village has got a biogas digester, you know, that they've it's a communal uh, resource and people bring their waste there and it, it produces gas that they can then use for cooking and, and all that kind of thing. You don't think that uh, we, we're thinking too sort of, we're trying to be too sophisticated in South Africa? So definitely. Um, I think we've seen a massive invested biogas plant come and go. 
the the labor intensive imperative is there uh, as I said earlier we don't necessarily have the uh, the the volumes of of waste to uh, justify investment in huge shredders in in, in other parts of the world. Uh, they just stick the whole car and the whole uh, the fridge and the whole lot through a shredder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and out comes the chips and the chips get sorted. So with with electronic waste, it's an incredibly complex uh, waste stream. Uh, you know you have. As I mentioned earlier, 200 million types of of goods uh, just on the small appliances side, and they are, as you can see, some of them are synthesised materials, um, other synthetics. Uh, they're, com- um, they're difficult combinations. Uh, so the the more you can disaggregate the fractions, what they call the fractions, the higher the value, the homo- homogenised fractions have value. So, you know, if, if we don't have the capability to process a certain material here by being able to consolidate that, mostly through manual disassembly, you now make that into a profitable uh, uh, material and resource. So very much in electronic waste, and, and the regulations actually say that we have to prioritize youth, women, and uh, people with disabilities. So if you look at the current um, recycling operations and the ones that are reasonably compliant or most compliant to the right environmental standards, uh, they don't have the capacities to meet the kinds of targets that the law has set. The law says, for example, uh, in the first year, you must move up from 25,000 tons to 36,000 tons, uh, second year, 47,000 tons, third year, 61. By year five, we must be collecting 103,000 tons uh, and processing that nationally. Um, so the existing operators don't have that kind of capacity. They certainly are gearing themselves for that. But when you when you look at even doubling the existing capacity, there is tremendous scope for uh, people from collectors. The law also mm. insists that collectors must be remunerated. Mm. These uh, are when you say collectors, these are the informal, informal uh, reclaimers. Yeah, what, what we call waste pickers. Waste pickers. Yeah. yeah. But what is just quickly? The, what is the current situation with with waste pickers? Because I've I've been to the the landfill site and yeah. I, I see people on the landfill site and they're collecting and then at some point they get chased off by the security guards and it's it's yeah. a whole sort of to and fro kind of yeah. thing. There was a big conflict a couple of years back. Yeah. There's a national register uh, that's been developed mostly through South African Waste Pickers Association and the African Reclaimers Organization. Um, so a lot of the informal waste pickers are, don't have identity documents, they don't have fixed place of abode. So it is important that those institutions, SOPA and Arrow, uh, step in in the organization of uh, those waste pickers. So in the electronic waste field, we know that most of those informal uh, waste pickers would have come across and managed uh, a toaster or, uh, you know, um, a hairdryer or something like that. So we, we obviously can't convert all or not, or not convert, but the, the also to be kind of recognized and developed and trained uh, in the electronic waste uh, recycling space, 
we have to have a selection of people, and they also have to produce a critical volume. Uh, so, you know, the occasional toaster is not going to make you eligible for a collection fee. But if you are bringing, let's say, 100 kilos of electronic waste uh, into the system uh, per month, that will give you a ton. So in our model, we're going to see whether that can work, whether that ton per annum is is the critical volume which will now justify us giving you a a service fee, a collection fee, because you're now adding at least a ton to the to the target. I mean, out of thirty six thousand tons, uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So this is mm-hmm. so right from that level through to uh, people operating uh, collection bins, uh, drop off points. Um, uh, and so on. So there's a huge number of opportunities. There's huge opportunities. Yeah. So, so if someone's at home listening and they're listening to this conversation and and wondering how they could get into this space, well, yeah. what what would be the first thing they need to do? I, I would say to them, uh, go and visit the Era website. Uh, it's Era NPC. NPC stands for Nonprofit Company. Co.za. Uh, we are in the next 10 days going to be issuing a request for quotations, uh, asking people to come forward with, uh, if they believe they can source electronic waste or, uh, be part of the system. Um, so, so that would be a good starting point. Obviously, you're going to have to secure a site if you want to operate a drop-off point. Uh, you've got to secure a site that has municipal approval. You must get a license in um, a waste management license. You are exempt, I think, for, don't know the exact figure, but if you're processing under one ton a month, you, you would be exempt from having all the, the necessary licenses. Um, and uh, so, so I say secure premises with municipal approval, uh, with the right approvals for it, a second-hand goods license, um, and then contract error, and we will assist and talk through that. Mm. Uh, and, and, and if, the, if, they, if they get uh, validated or confirmed, you, you then also have funds available to invest in the business. Is, is, is that uh, also an aspect of it? Th- that's an aspect. So a lot of it will be driven by the subsidy which we will provide to, to that business for uh, because the first thing we have to do is take custody of the waste. And then we've got to have track that waste until it is completely dissolved um, which is extremely complex <laughs> uh, either it's gone to a compliance site uh, overseas you can't just send your waste overseas your government has to give the other government notice that there's stuff coming and then they must accept that uh, that the stuff is coming um, so um, yeah um, so I lost my train of thought there. You will ask yeah. me again. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, but the business opportunities yeah, the business and, and, opportunities. and then how one would get so, into. So in our case, you would. We also have transport opportunities. We're going to have systems where people have to go and collect from either stores. Uh, we're going to look at our household collection possibilities. So essentially, the the way I envisage it in the next couple of weeks, you're going to. Click on the dot on the map of South Africa, and you're going to find your nearest uh, drop-off point. You're either going to drop your your electronic waste there, or you're going to put in an order for collection. And then it's our challenge to look at how do we aggregate that and create the logistics. And then we will have to bring in people 
to handle that logistic fuss. Um, wow. Like an Uber waste. Or Uber waste management. Yeah. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Big changes coming, uh, listeners. Big changes coming to our lives. These are, these are, uh, might seem onerous, but they're positive changes because it's absolutely necessary to really be conscious and, 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 and to balance out the, the insanity that happens around all our, our consumption, uh, every year around, especially around this time that, that we're heading into. Um, we need to balance it out with uh, being more conscious about the environment, what, what happens to the, all these appliances that we feel we, we need all the time. Um, I, 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 there's a the little film that, that is online. You can find it uh, if you Google. It's called Welcome to the Anthropocene. And um, I, I first heard this term called the Anthropocene uh, where a few years back when I was uh, at some, uh, some other organization dealing with climate change. But, but essentially, Anthropocene uh, means uh, that uh, humans have entered a new uh, geological era or the, the world has entered a new geological era called the Anthropocene, which is basically the age of man. Um, and it's based on this notion that uh, if uh, archaeologists a thousand years from now, two thousand years from now, uh, from maybe from another planet, let's say that, <laughs> some aliens were to come to Earth, some alien archaeologists were to come to Earth, human beings would all be gone. But if they were to excavate and dig down, they would still find the evidence of our existence right at the bottom of the ocean with the little plastic balls and things that we've, we've wasted, all our waste oh. the, 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 that we've left behind. So, this is this is what we we we've caused, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Only in the last three hundred years, uh, let's say five hundred years, um, you know, um, you know, the bones of the dinosaurs are still there, but uh, you know, those are not really uh, deadly to to other beings and, and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but the the film, uh, you you can go and find the film online. But uh, it's always good to the, the the narration of the film actually puts everything in, into context, and it's really f- fascinating. I make a point of playing it to myself at least um at least uh, once a year one, once every 6 months and so um yeah talking about the issue of waste this evening on the cornerstone critical dialogues with uh, Ashley Deploy of the uh e-waste recycling authority um Emil Faree of the uh, Organics Recycling uh, Association of South Africa and Nina Lowe, who is a business lecturer at the Cornerstone Institute. Um, yeah, so guys, where, 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 where are we? Uh, <laughs> I mean, whenever I listen to that piece, it just, it just puts me in the state, you know. It's like, but I think it's important, like you said, it, it, there's hope. And from our conversation as well, I also have hope that this is a big problem. Um, but there's so much opportunity and also these, and you've mean, I mean, you specific, specifically mentioned it, that we need diverse solutions. So you don't have, only have to tackle one, one area of this. Um, we need the diversity in the solutions. We need different ideas and the market is actually big. So it's very interesting for me to hear about the e-waste um, and the fact that we actually need scale. So you need quantity where we've got that in organics. Um, 
but which makes it a bit harder. But still, there's enough, the market is big enough to find multiple solutions um, to actually fix this or, or to, to work on it. So fix is also an interesting word um, because at the moment we've got waste. In time, we shouldn't have waste. Um, I spoke to someone today and they said, yeah, in 20, 30 years, no, in 200 or uh, 300 years, we should be, and I thought, no, 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 no. <laughs> when we think about waste in 20 to 30 years, we should be in a completely different place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, we we fight we facing mountains mm-hmm. of waste. I mean around the globe. There there just isn't enough landfill space and not in this country. Uh already you need to consider that uh seventy or more percent of our landfills are in a dysfunctional state. Don't even have decent wave bridges and people are sitting with clipboards writing stuff in that nobody reads. Uh so yeah, we we um we just cannot continue doing that. Uh the the mountain of electronics will drown us all uh in due course. Mm. And also touching on the, the processing of it. So it's interesting. I think it's in Rwanda, the Global Alliance for Trade Facilitation. Um, they have a hackathon, an e-waste innovation sprint in, at the end of the month, 26 and 28 November. Um, and I think we will be able to follow it online because the hackathon itself is also online. And what they're trying to look at, and it's specific to Rwanda, but when you look at what they're doing, they're actually saying they want to um, develop capacity and insights and solutions that might um, spread to the region, but specifically looking at um, solutions for improving collection and cross-border movement of e-waste for reprocessing in Rwanda, um, which I think is uh, so given wonderful for their context and it will be a global collective of people solving for this, but I think it's actually a, an interesting opportunity to look at what are they doing, what are people finding um, and what could be relevant to a South African space. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the, I know Nigeria and, and Ghana. There's certainly been movement mm-hmm. in managing electronic waste uh, in in those countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are seeing a, a a growing awareness around the continent, and and this understanding that we're going to have to have some trade-offs. You know, the plastics maybe need to go there. This needs to come here, so that those investments can be mm-hmm. justified. The the other thing I forgot to mention to you and never had the opportunity to is that ERA is also part of a global WE forum. So uh, we're part of a community of 43 organizations like ourselves uh, operating on every continent. Um, so we do have access to global best practice, but as Emil says, uh, it's for us to have a look at it and to continue to craft our own solutions with an awareness of what's what's possible, but more importantly, what is appropriate to our context. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk to you, to you or ask you about the the, the question of uh, education around waste, uh, Ashley. I know that you you've you've been in the sort of education space for for a while, and yeah. been your previous career incarnations. But uh, particularly when it comes to making people conscious or aware of of the the, the issue of waste, yeah. what do you think about? Look, in, in, in 2016, I worked with two young men, and they were about 22 uh, at that time, uh, and in Peter Maritzburg, and they had phenomenal energy. They're, they're called Sogum Velo, um, and they've now expanded from waste management into running a community TV uh, station where they are... 
uh, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the incredible awareness uh, raising programs in schools. Mm-hmm. I think that short time I worked with them, they had been around to about 60 or 80 schools that they could access. They ran uh, campaigns in the community that collect a couple of people out on a field, give them bags, and within half an hour, the bags are filled up, they bring it back to the school, and then they run through those waste bags and they talk about the value of what is there and how much money there is. So in a very practical way, just for half an hour's exercise, they create the awareness around some of the value in the waste and obviously the environmental benefits are obvious. Um, They've developed songs. When they see the Sorgenvela logo, the kids are singing a song. So certainly uh, the kids in Peter Marsberg through this project, uh, are, uh, their, their, their awareness of West is huge. They, they're already seeing the opportunities here. Um, and um, yeah, so definitely something I would like to see happen again and again in all our communities uh, across the Western Cape, across the country. Um, so, yeah, there's scope mm. for young people like that who can energize others, and mm. uh, we'd love to speak with them. There are people who'd like to look at uh, um, creating art from West. Uh, I know somebody's asked for where they can access the keyboards and build Scrabble sets. Uh, uh, there are magnets in certain components. Uh, you know, some kind of kitchen utensils for holding knives can be created out of that. So we also want to encourage uh, people, young people especially, take a look around the computer, the keyboard, and try and imagine which of those components uh, could be transformed into into art uh, mm. or useful other things. Uh, mm, yeah. Mm, mm. So yeah, uh, upcycling, recycling, yeah, yeah. And, and and being creative uh, around uh, all these things. Um, I, I mean, I, I had once. I'm going to come to you with an idea. Well, I'll give you the idea for free. But I was at this idea, like, <laughs> which was um, around cell phones. You know, yeah. uh, because. Uh, I mean, how many cell phones do we go through uh, every year? And I was at this thing of, I just wanted to make a huge mountain of cell phones and, and put it somewhere, you know, in, in the middle of the city so that we can actually see what, we, what we're doing, make it yeah. visible. Yeah. You know? And, and then if, if, if you were to extract the high value, the one that everybody's chasing, uh, you are going to end up with something the size of this nib. And on the other side, you're going to sit with a mountain of 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 uh, plastic and uh, other synthetic materials mm. that need to be taken care of, and that's that's the the issue. Is uh, we have to take care of the total p- uh, product, uh, mm. and because this is what's happening, um, you know, you've seen people burn mm. cables around children. They're busy mm. killing themselves. They're busy killing the community who's sitting around there. Uh, inhaling these toxic fumes. Mm. So in our model, once we get hold of that cable uh, into the system, uh, we will pay for for that. So the, the you're not only going to get the value of the copper, mm-hmm. you're also going to get something for the covering. Right. Uh, so, um, and, and because mm-hmm. we will be paying by kilo. Um, so we that's one way in which we're trying to encourage people uh, not to engage in poor 
recycling practices. Mm, yeah. mm, 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 mm. Just just a quick one on that. The, so obviously we speak, you're highlighting the, the complexities to recycling this material. Yes. What what are the international practices for that those type of, of plastics and, and, and composite materials that we're dealing with? I, I'm not... But I'm not a recycle. I did recycling a bit, okay. um, but I uh, basically refurbished not myself, mm. but a team of young people refurbished computers so that we could run computer training schools. So we we could give our students a 800 rand computer to take mm. home. Uh, so we could set up internet cafes, mm. and so. We generated in about two months a quarter million rand, uh, which we used to run our center, uh, wow. keep the lights on, buy ink, buy paper, <laughs> pay the telephone, and so on. Yeah, so uh, that's how I actually got to e-waste uh, by needing some resources to run a, a youth development center. Okay. Yeah. yeah, always driven by uh, pressures. I like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's something I've, I've looked at yeah. and it's something I follow quite interestingly is the just the innovations around these these new industries. And, I mean, there's guys looking at food waste. When I started, there was food waste, compost, and then even composting was, no, this is actually how you do it, no, this is how you do it, and you sat on a forum at two in the morning with some guy in Australia, and they're a <laughs> professor, and you know one in the back of your computer, but they can't see who you are, and you get your information. And now I'm looking, and guys are extracting vegetable oil to do solar, mm. and uh, there is endless opportunities looking at what we've been throwing in landfills for decades mm. and I think you know there's something I've always wanted to get going as a living lab where you can go and you can play with these items and materials and kids can learn cross-sectionally between universities from you know Stockholm to UCT or UWC or, or Cape Tech or wherever you're at and you can start sharing knowledge and start learning together or you know and leveraging this 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 this, this stream that we sit with um, the, the, so I was just yeah just the, my curiosity the, 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 there's this, this notion of what they call uh, cradle cradle to cradle, cradle. yeah and initially yeah. was cradle to the grave but cradle to cradle and uh, just for the for the listeners there uh, out there can you you just maybe explain what that means Ashley um, uh, cradle to cradle I mean because at yeah. some point you, you you almost have to be designing something from the beginning with its end in mind yeah. or, or how it's going to get that, there that's absolutely uh, the, the concept of the circular economy is that uh, the waste has to be ideally reprocessed uh, and used uh, for the same purpose or a mm. similar purpose or a completely mm. alternative. Yeah, I mean, when you, for example, when you look at plastic waste, yeah. and people always say, well, recycling a couple of years ago, well, there still is this whole buzz around plastic waste and, 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 uh, and the plastic bags. And, but a lot of that waste actually cannot be reused. Yeah. You know, it has to be disposed of in another way. You can't, mm. you can't make the same because the, it loses its, its qualities yeah. uh, of the initial purpose. I've, I've, I've just a couple of days seen a brick made out of yeah. uh, waste. Uh, unfortunately, it hasn't been tested yet uh, to see whether it is a usable product. Mm. Uh, but um, I think that uh, obviously with the resources with some concentration of resources and some system of managing uh, the the waste, 
uh, uh, we will see the acceleration of those solutions coming out of what now is unusable. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. And uh, at the moment, we're speaking about waste as so we're speaking specifically about waste. But when we design out waste, so when we design with no waste in mind, yeah. then in time, and that's where this conversation changes. We in ten, twenty years, we won't have a waste conversation. We have how to better design yeah. because waste they will or we shouldn't design with waste in our in the conversation at all we should design with the second life so with the cradle so the the birth of a product to the new birth of the product and a new birth and a new birth yeah. um yeah, yeah. I, I remember going to one of the design in Darbus a, a few years actually a long time ago about 10 12 years ago and there was this uh, this persian designer there persian canadian guy a very famous designer, and he, he had this talk, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, the, 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 the toothpaste or the shampoo bottle, the, 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 the toothpaste tube that we use for a couple of weeks, a month or so, throw it away, it ends up in, and it's got, it's lined with that, some kind of metal some of them have, have inside there, some kind of aluminium, aluminium or something. Aluminium, or foil, yeah, foil, foil liner. Uh, yeah, something like that. Plastic with foil. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in, in this thing, and like, everyone uses that, and, and he was saying, um, what we should actually be thinking of is designing, uh, making those things out of uh, a kind of a, a plastic that, that is uh, biodegradable, yeah. that actually dissolves. You know, what, what you, you, you can, you can make, you, there are plastics that exist like mm. that, like yeah. uh, made out of sh- kind of some kind of sugar. Yeah, you know, and then at the end of it, you just uh, put it in the, in the water and it dissolves and you, it goes down, down the drain, yeah. you know. But instead, now what we have is we have. Plastic millions so, so, of Yeah, and the, and the system should, I mean, I, I know in, in, from what I heard, uh, in, in France, because of the, the rain and so on, the, the car tires were making a noise through the streets. So they added a compound yeah. to, the, to the rubber to reduce the noise, but that made the tire not recyclable. Um, so a manufacturer of that sort, Needs to be punished. They, in fact, they must be made to take every single tire back and take it home and go and build a mountain in their own backyard. Out of and these products, these composite products. So when you think about something like a running shoe, the amount of different materials used for that, it's something like thirty-six, if not more. So to 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 take that apart, like in a lot of electronics, I mean, it's just, it's not an easy process. Um, so, and that's why you start finding, so there is a biodegradable, I think, um, uh, toothpaste, I don't know, your tube at the moment, somewhere, or in, in the South African market at least, which is amazing. So you're starting to see it, it's higher, or the price at the moment is not yet competitive, um, or you're paying for green, um, but those things are happening. So you're also starting to see shoes um, being molded to be so that they can actually be recreated and recreated and recreated. And again, that whole idea of how do we design? Um, so for designers and for researchers, having that conversation saying, okay, cool, how do we do this so that we don't have waste? And, and it's in- interesting. So when we think about the Anthropocene and the fact that it's human-centered, um, we need to understand that we're part of nature. And I think it's critical that you, uh, that you also said it, that that means that though, so when we think about something like design thinking and when we design and we design for the human, designing for the human or for ourselves shouldn't only be, oh, I don't like this noise on the road. Let's just 
get out the, the noise and now we mm. add another layer that's toxic or that's mm. not biodegradable or that's not recyclable. So understanding that comfort and, um, and what it, what we like or, or the design. Our convenience. Yeah, our yeah. convenience, thanks. The, the convenience. That shouldn't be the main aim of design. Yeah. Um, and, and this whole, the conversation of consumerism or, or, and the economic model where we're saying growth, linear growth is the idea of how we develop and how we grow and how we build the economy. That's not helping to distribute value or distribute, um, wealth. So, and in a similar vein, when we design for convenience, we're not really designing for quality. Uh, yeah, I want to take the stab and say we're not designing for quality and for durability. Um, so we also need to understand in using certain products that the, the presence and us being and using this product should be stronger than just the convenience of using the pro- yeah. product. Or, um, and if we want convenience, how do we design convenience yeah. with the same principles in mind? Yeah. So, so there, there, there's certainly, I mean, I think, uh, EPR here and globally, and it's certainly developing globally, uh, in some European markets, they've, they've had this for over 20, 30 years, uh, where the producers take responsibility for the waste that they put in. So there's certainly a very, there's a growing uh, imperative to design for the environment, to design for uh, that zero waste scenario. I, I just want to throw a, a, a spanner in the, in the works here. Not a spanner, but let me play devil's advocate for a second. <laughs> it's a, it's a, the question of um, politics, right? Um, I mean, they, we've had the local government elections, there's elections coming up and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, South Africa has a, a, a green party somewhere. Uh, that, that existed. I mean, I've met the people that, that started that thing. Um, do you think there's space for a, a green party, um, actually to, to, to win some seats and actually be in, in the seats of power and pushing the, these kinds of, uh, agendas? Or, or you think the, the current dispensation, the people who currently run things are aware and conscious enough to, to take things forward? I think the more you find those young activists mm. in the schools uh, doing that kind of awareness raising, the more you are building a base for a Green Party. So given where we've been recently and given where we are at the moment, uh, I think it's going to take a while, but I think uh, in the coming years there's definitely going to be a... There is already, I, th- I think, a mm. stronger awareness mm. of the environment. So mm. we've got our Greta Thunbergs and so on coming, coming mm. through coming the ranks, I'm yes. sure. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> but I think also a combination of having the Green Party then, but also because of, of people coming through the ranks, actually knowing what this is about and really wanting to change it. Yeah. So in all parties, people mm. will have that understanding. Yeah. And yes, having that specific focus, but... That should be the conversation, um, but given we're biased, yeah. um, <laughs> we're a biased set. So, yeah. well, I, I think our generation, Ryan, a bit older. <laughs> our peers have certainly taken on the eco war uh, in in a lot stronger way than 
we ever did. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, we mm. we wanted the political kingdom. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and discovered yeah other things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I personally, I mean, I've I've got friends who say to me, you know, there's there's been the cop that just happened now. You should be hopeful, and you know, things seem to be changing. It's all in the headlines and and everything. But I mean, I've been around long enough to be very cynical about these these things. You know, uh, I think in 2001, 2002, September, I attended something called the World Summit on Sustainable Development in in Johannesburg. It was at the, the, the Santon Convention Center. 20,000 people from around the world flew into Johannesburg and f- spent a week discussing all of these issues that, that, that they're discussing 20 to almost 20 years later and now again. If you are sitting at home, think, wondering what to do, don't have a job, it's December, you know, all of these things, there, there is hope. Uh, uh, Ashley Deploy yeah, is, is a man with a dream uh, and he's been at it for seven years, maybe longer, quite possibly much longer, but uh, for the past seven years, really in the space of e-waste. And uh, so if you uh, want to get into the space, uh, get in touch with ERA NPC. Uh, but, but yeah, but think about it first. Think about what you could do. Um, I think, that, I think uh, often, um, you know, we, we, are, we are more resourceful than we, than we like to think. Uh, you know, it just takes a bit of, of thinking. Just one idea. Uh, some of these markets, weekend markets, uh, pay 20 rand or 50 rand for a store. And uh, tell people to bring the electronic waste there, and mm. um, yeah, that, that should get you going. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've certainly got a few boxes, and I'm sure you have too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's quite. I mean, it's, a, it's there's been quite a culture shift over the last twenty, thirty years. I mean, I, I remember my dad used to always be fixing things. You know, there was a time when people used to fix things. Mm. Uh, you know, instead of throwing it away. Now you just, uh, things are so cheap, you just go get another one, you know, throw that yeah. thing away. How do we bring that culture back? Is it possible? Uh, we're certainly encouraging the, the reuse uh, of, of electronics. So that's obviously the first line of attack. Um, um, and that, uh, yes, um, it's, it certainly needs to be encouraged. Um, we're really at the start of... Uh, mm our systematic engagement with this but certainly it's something mm. that we will promote yeah. um, uh, through maybe you have like a repair club at, at schools you know mm. after school instead of you know send yeah. them to detention and get them to fix some, some yeah. broken things they bring some things oh. to school mm. and I mean, uh, take maybe a little nerds club there mm. Uh, yeah. take it apart redo it <laughs> mm. Mm. turn it into something yeah. else <laughs> fantastic <laughs> I struggle sometimes, you know what I'm saying, to 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 be positive and hopeful and and, and yeah. So, but uh, yeah, well, we we, we have to. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, it, it could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. But you know, the the, the fact is, uh, you know, uh, I think that we always hold into this notion of you know, while there is life, there is hope. You know, while we are still here, we still have a chance to do something. Um, and so I think this has always uh, kept me going. Um, and, and the fact that, um, you know, but then sometimes I look at, I look at people and I just wonder, you know, like, <laughs> I see, I see the things that people do and I'm like, how is it possible? How are we ever gonna, how are we ever gonna get out of here? <laughs> I mean, 
the other day, I must, I must be honest, the other day I saw this, 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 I mean, some guy was walking, he was walking towards me, I was, I was walking on the pavement, this guy walked past, he was like walking towards me, okay, no mask, nothing, just took a huge spit, a, a gob of spit, like in front of me, you know, <laughs> In in the street, you know what I'm saying? I was like, "What the heck?" You know, I turned around. I was like, uh, and he was like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." You know, uh, I can't believe it. I, I, I know, I know. I get that feeling too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're talking about waste, uh, people, waste, 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 waste. Um, you know, it just I think it, it sometimes just takes a uh, people to be more. Uh, <clears throat> Let me say, conscious or aware, you know. I mean, I mean, some, I mean, the thing that drove that drove me to, to undertake this this uh, soldier fly thing was really, you know, going to the the restaurants. And I'm not, I'm not a bar fly, but like I, I was going to a lot of restaurants <laughs> in Obs, and I just seeing that, you know, peeping into the kitchen and seeing this every single day. There's all this waste, you know. I mean, coffee waste could be you can grow mushrooms on coffee waste, apparently. You know, there's yeah. so many different uses for for these things that people just throw away. We don't think about it. You go to the coffee shop, you you you, you know, it ends up in that thing, that, that, that puck, and you know, and then it, yeah. you don't know, you don't ask a question about where does it go, you know. But every single day, people are doing that. Yeah, and and just to start thinking more more consciously about our behavior and our, how that impacts on on the environment. And there's someone actually doing research um, specifically with coffee um, or coffee waste mm. or, uh, and designing shoes from. So you making that into a textile. So the amount of research. So I get so encouraged after a conversation like this um, because of, I, I meet people that's busy doing these things. Um, and and there's definitely so there's a lot of research and I, and was previously mentioned, but I think the scope for research and institutes of research or of higher learning then um, to partner with with entrepreneurs, um, but also with government. And, and that partnership is so key in this discussion um, because it is something that touches on all, all of us. Um, and, and working together to solve is actually, is really necessary. Yeah. Um, and the amount of research. So I think you also mentioned that there's the scope for, or you want to kind of scale enough so that we can start looking at some of the research. And that's why we, we need tertiary or higher, um, education in, institutions that can actually start doing this research. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, um, there has been work on a, on putting together a curriculum for people to, working in the uh, electronic waste sector, uh, and it's in fact quite quite uh, well developed by this stage. Uh, so there is a lot of training going in, and also we've been approached by a number of institutions. At this stage, still largely around the data and the and the legislation, but increasingly also people are looking into the technologies uh, and uh, specific solutions for specific fractions. Okay. So, so there's yeah, there's growth all around in tackling uh, the electronic waste sector. Yeah, and I think also in just. Or getting to notice your own way. So, from a consumer perspective, this whole thing of storytelling. I think 
for everyone listening, the next time you throw something something away to this place that's away, um, tell the stories. So try, whether there's someone in the room with you, try to tell the story of what's now happening with this thing that you threw away. Just to start that, the consciousness of what's what's the story of something with, when I stop seeing it? Um, because I think that's the thing we're not aware of in any of the waste. Um, and then also specifically, I think with electronic waste, before we go stand in line or sleep outside a store next week uh, Thursday or then before the Monday online um, think twice and, and go take stock of the things that you've got at home um, and make sure that or just know that these are the things I have this is what I use um, where is it going to go if I'm not going to use it anymore and if I'm going to buy new things and yes there's an economy to upkeep but I think we need to have another conversation on how do we actually do that how do we stop linear growth and really yeah. um, wealth distribution but that's yeah. maybe something else and, and, en- <laughs> and enough is a feast Mm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, we, we had a couple. So we, we had a bit of wealth redistribution a few months ago in KZN. <laughs> I'm saying early Christmas for a lot of people. You see, and I wonder, was that oh my God. <laughs> waste distribution? Yeah, you know, people said, "Well, you know, if you, I also want that," you know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this is this is really this is really the thing. I, 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 the, the question of what do we need and what do we want? You know, I think a lot of people don't make that distinction. You know, there are things we want before we just want them, and then you know, do we actually need them? You know, are they really beneficial yeah. to our lives? You know, I mean, you, you've got kids these days now who are you know ten years old and they want their own iPhone. You know, well, they want their second iPhone. Yeah, yeah, it breaks yeah, by. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, and so what are we? You know, what are we teaching our kids? Yeah. You know, around all the sort of hyperconsumption and and I mean, the cell phone is really. Besides, the, I mean, it used to be a, a tool for c- communication, and now it's almost a, it's a marketing tool. It's like this plug you get you plug into the yeah. system that really just pumping you, full of these desires. The matrix. Yeah, yeah. Find yeah. yeah. you. Yeah, you, you, you can't. You do need that. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't escape it. You know, I mean, I've I've got a twelve year old who's like you know wants to go to uh, Cold Bay to get some things she saw on Instagram. You know, some pants and da da da. Then it's you know. Driving out to Cold Bay, and then it's insane. What's what's what we've become, really? <laughs> human beings, human beings, human beings. <laughs> I sometimes want to give up. But, um, <laughs> no, 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 I won't. I won't, guys. No, 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 there is hope, guys. Maybe not for you, <laughs> but for your twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, but I, I really, I really think there is this. You know, there, there's this notion of, um, you know, everything is a every, society almost allows everything. You know, everything is allowed. We have this very permissive society, and and I think a lot of the time, um, we don't necessarily. I think the, the one of the keys is to ask. You know, everything may be allowed, but. Is everything beneficial? You know, is is it really beneficial for a, a high school teenager to have have a cell phone all the time? You know, um, and and so these these are the sort of profound questions that I think we we fail to ask, and then we wonder, 
you know, why things, why, why are we so disassociated? Why, you know, families are broken. People don't want to have conversations, you know, yeah. sit in front of the, 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 the TV. I mean, we don't even sit in front of the TV anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We sit in front of our own screen. Yeah. It's like two screens. I don't want to watch it. You're watching. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I remember a time there used to be an issue on TV dinners, you know, first of all, there was no TV. No, we said to all have dinner and yeah. we're going to talk. How was your day? What did you do? Yeah, da, da, da. Yeah. Then it was like TV dinners, you know, I, you know, sitting in front of the TV and then not talking. And then now it's like, no one, you don't even have to be in the same room. Yeah. Go to your room, take your meal. Well, yeah, the TV's the, on in your whole leukemia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the intentionality of how we relate to others and re- how we build relationships, I think has got a lot to do with waste and this, mm. our relationship with waste yeah. and the fact that we move through things and we don't, we're not intentional. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think, and it speaks to this of go have that dinner. Don't have the screen or the tele- yeah. or TV dinner. Mm. Have the dinner. Have a conversation with someone mm. um, because that will change our approach to waste, yeah. I think. Have you tried to take a, a cell phone away from a 12-year-old? No. <laughs> no, no, no. no. no they, don't like they do not like it. Eh? They, they will fight you tooth and nail. <laughs> I've actually seen it. So, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, also, I mean, I, I don't want to say that, I mean, the, the, the past two years I think it's really brought the, the, this issue to the fore you know the, yeah. the, 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 this basic pause on, on the yeah. global economy you know that maybe yeah. has forced us to to engage with each other more and, and, and actually I mean there was an issue with the ship that uh, that got stuck in the Suez Canal which really just highlighted the, the fact that uh, this whole supply chain thing that we that is invisible to most yeah. of us, you know, yeah. that we don't see, but it's it's there, and sometimes it can get snagged. And, and actually, that was, I, I thought that was a good thing, oh. you know, just to make us more remind us, remind us of the fact that you know we're not the sort of all powerful. I think consumer. also we saw just you know during that that very hard initial lockdown, you know, how nature recovered very quickly and started mm. just exploring places that people had forgotten or you know you just mm. don't get to see. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that. You know, just looking at what a little bit of effort and a little bit of more, as you said earlier, consciousness brings to this to this situation, how quickly nature fixes itself. Mm. Um, and I think if we can find ways to coexist and, and, and maybe be, um, you know, less influential in that space and, and, and allowing it to just, you mm. know, self-generate, I think we'll very quickly get back to a place of, of greater hope. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could I add something? The 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 extended producer regulations as has also come into effect for paper and packaging and mm. lighting. Mm. Uh so th- um, the producers of paper and packaging and lighting equipment similarly have to be the law requires them to be involved in extended producer responsibility uh scheme. Uh so there are more formalized opportunities in those sectors as well. Um, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, brings us to the end of the Cornerstone Critical Dialogue. Is there any final words, guys, from, from you, if you want, you just want to wrap things up? Um, I think for, for, for entrepreneurs specific, specifically, realize the opportunities um, and tap into it. Um, and then for all of us, have those conversations on the stories of waste, mm-hmm. just to, to be more conscious of, of what we actually 
wasting and what's happening in our market in order to actually see the opportunities. Mm, mm-hmm. um, from me, it's, 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 it's directly to the listeners. It is um, a take on a quote from Deepak Chopra uh, in his book in 2010, I think it is. Um, and goes along the lines of, we can't rely on anybody other than ourselves. So you can't rely on government, you can't rely on um, the systems and, and, and the things that are failing us, you know, but ourselves to address the issues that are really pressing us at this moment in this day and age. He wrote that in 2010 and it's still very prevalent today. Um, and I think that no matter who you are, no matter what your background, no matter what your circumstance is, is that you have the ability to change the world. And it might be something small and it might be something big, but, um, yeah, you can do it in whatever walk of life that you, you envision for yourself. And so, yeah, so I think it's that's sort of just my last words for the night. Yeah, well, thanks for, for having me, Ryan. Um, Nothing profound to add except to echo what the other two guests have said. And really I want to encourage people, uh, to listeners to uh, take a look at our website and to, there will be opportunities posted there, uh, soon. So we'll have an, uh, interactive, we're busy develop, developing it now. An interactive platform where people who want to get into the space will register and we'll follow them up. Um, and, you know, if they're not quite ready, there'll be a hand-holding process. Uh, hopefully, um, the, the budgeting is, is not that easy in this game with uh, poor data, but hopefully we will uh, have... Aside from the subsidies, uh, other direct investments and in infrastructure and operations uh, to support new businesses. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you, Ashley Deploy uh, uh, from ERA NPC. Go to the website, as he said, uh, uh, Emil Furi from Orasa, uh, Organics Recycling Association uh, of South Africa, and Nina Lowe. Cornerstone Business Lecturer. That's it for now, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have to leave it there. Hope to see you next week, right here.